You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tiger Nation, what is up? Welcome to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, five days a week. A daily glance into the Clemson Athletic Program, including the number one team still in college football. This episode today is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. It's going to be a busy one today as we will take a look back at the 34-28 victory by number one Clemson over the Boston College Eagles. The Tigers improving to a perfect 7-0 on the season. And it was a wild one. It was a weird one. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. We'll get to some of the biggest news, though, first. Also, we'll take a look at three key lessons learned coming out of this game for Clemson. Something you can take a look at. And then finally, what did the numbers say about this wild and weird game? I'll let you know about that inside the box score as we take a look at a tell of two halves. Gosh, that's so overused. And there I did. I used it anyway. Well, I'll let you know more about that coming up. I'm your host, Brad Sinkoff. You are listening to Locked On Clemson Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Sinkoff. That's S-E-N-K-I-W. And please tell your friends and your family to download and subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. I've been a member of the media for nearly 15 years. I'm also the co-host of the Press Box on 105.5 The Roar, and I am the deputy editor and a daily writer at allclemson.com. Let's get right into the newsiest news of all news, as coming out of this win, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney went ahead and broke it to everybody out there. Trevor Lawrence, the star quarterback of the Clemson Tigers, will miss his second consecutive game. We talked on Friday about how that was going to be the case against Boston College, well, now he has been ruled out for the Notre Dame game. This was a good move by Coach Sweeney. I'm one to often criticize coaches for not handling the PR correctly, getting their message across to the media and the public. So I'm going to be quick to applaud Dabo Sweeney for going ahead and getting this out of the way to avoid questions all week and everybody wondering what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence, what's the protocol, how long is he actually out, Can he suit up? Can he fly to South Bend? Can he play at the last minute with no practice for 10 days? All of that put to rest as Coach Winnie made the announcement after the game on Saturday that Lawrence will not play against Notre Dame. And here's why. Well, obviously, there's a protocol in place. And so he will be out in time to play. But then you have the cardiac part of it that you have to kind of ramp back up. And even if he feels great and and could – could probably go play you know he, he's not allowed to do that simply because of the protocol that's in place and that's that's put in place to to make sure that he can return to play safely uh, so the 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 cardiac piece you have the 10 days but then you got the cardiac part so he he, he won't be able to get through that in time to play next week uh, but hopefully everything will go well he'll be ready to get back to practice after the Notre Dame game and uh, be ready to uh, get back at it versus Florida State so uh, you know, we hate that for him. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to travel with us still and be able to, you know, help those guys on the sideline, but uh, definitely will not be able to play in the game. And, uh, 
but uh, you know, it'd be good to be able to have a whole week uh, with DJ and Tyson, and and uh, you know, get them ready to get them ready to go up there and and uh, build on this game here. First and foremost, what is important here is that Coach Winnie said Trevor Lawrence is doing well, and that he could play or that he wants to play physically. Uh, so that's a good sign. Glad to hear that. But again, the PR move here to go ahead and come out and say that Trevor Lawrence cannot play in this game, and here's why. The safety of the athlete matters, and I think that's very important here. And that squashes all questions and speculation and everything else. And, you know, I, I've been saying all year we're just living in a different era now in college football. Obviously, we're in a different era in this world. But in college football, it's affected the level that it just breeds speculation. And it has people saying stuff and questioning things and wondering things and putting stuff out there that just simply isn't accurate. So this way, everybody knows Trevor Lawrence cannot play in this game, and here's and that's the reason why. He has to go through those cardiac tests. I think it's very, very important now that that's been established, and I think everybody now can prepare to move on. What does it mean, though, that Trevor Lawrence is out of this game? The Tigers go up to South Bend. It came out on Sunday. A six-point favorite is what the line opened up as. It was as much as 15-and-a-half a couple of weeks ago, and that was coming out of the uh, Georgia Tech win when they just demolished the Yellow Jackets. Notre Dame also coming off a victory over that same Georgia Tech team. They're undefeated, and these two teams match up in what's going to be a top-four showdown. Clemson remain number one in the polls. Slightly, Alabama's getting a lead, and I'll discuss more of that later. And then Notre Dame coming in at number four right now behind Alabama and Ohio State. So this is going to be the marquee game in the ACC. And I'll spend a lot of time this week breaking this one down from a technical standpoint, X's and O's, what you're going to see, all that kind of stuff. But right now, the big take right here about Trevor Lawrence not being there is that DJ Uyangale has to go on the road and lead Clemson to a victory as a favorite, no less. I think that's a little surprising. Uyangale played tremendous on Saturday, I thought against Boston College. Was he perfect? No. Did he need to be? No. Nobody was asking him to be perfect. But 342 yards, completing 73% of his passes, threw two touchdowns, ran another one in, and here's the real the real big positive for the Tigers. He protected the football. That's huge, especially going up to Notre Dame against a defense that has played extremely well this year, and dive into more of that later. But I feel like Clemson feels pretty good about where it's at, and I think they should. I think DJ showed what he can do, but now here's the thing. They've got film on him. Notre Dame's going to pick apart every little detail they can, find some weaknesses, find some things to confuse the young freshman, and he is young, and he is super talented, and he is a grown man out there at 6'5", 245 pounds. But this is going to be a huge step up in competition. This is going to be a tough game. So not having Trevor Lawrence out there, not having that leadership, that voice, that cool, calm demeanor, a guy who has been here a million times. He beat Notre Dame 30-3 to two years ago in the Cotton Bowl. You're going to feel his loss. You're going to sense it out there on the field. But I think that with giving a, a week span now, knowing what the timeline is, knowing that Trevor Lawrence cannot play in this game, I think it's going to be extremely beneficial to how Clemson prepares. They found out on Thursday that he was out. The game plan was done. Tony Elliott said he'd already come up with it. The offensive coordinator had put it to bed, and everything was complete. So they had to not adjust the game plan, but fit DJ into it. Now they got a whole week to game plan around DJ and his strengths 
and Travis Etienne and Amari Rogers and Brandon Galloway and a lot of key pieces in this offense. So I understand that Clemson's a favorite. I think they should be a favorite. I think the line's about right. The loss to Trevor Lawrence is significant. But Clemson should go to Notre Dame and win this game. Doesn't mean they will, but they should. Get into more of that coming up in Lessons Learned from This Game. We'll do that coming up shortly. These days, everything is just go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all of the time. It's work. It's friends. It's family. It's the pressing social issues. It's everything that's going on in the world. There's always an expectation that you've got to be quote-unquote on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off. Hit the reset button. Get ready for what's next. That's when you need to reach for Coors Light. Because it's literally made to chill. It's the only beer out there that can say that. Whether you're watching football with your friends, no matter who's playing, you don't even care who's on. You just want to sit down, relax, and do it with a cold Coors Light. It's cold lager. It's cold filtered. It's cold packaged. Again, it is literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. A perfect moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit that reset button, you need to reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now it's time for three lessons learned coming out of Clemson's 34-28 victory over Boston College on Saturday. It was certainly a strange and bizarre game as the Tigers trailed 18 points in the first half. They came back to win the game and took the lead early in the fourth quarter and held it and didn't look back as they were able to pull off uh, one of the the biggest rally in Death Valley history by the Tigers, and they did it with that freshman quarterback. And I think, number one, the lesson that was learned here was that there just isn't quit in this team, that their character was tested, their heart was tested. And I know some of that feels like a little like coach speak and something that's hard to measure and that isn't necessarily tangible. And I know it's Boston College. I know Clemson was a 30-point favorite, and they were supposed to win this game going away. All that being said, there was a lot of fight in the Eagles, and Clemson ended up eventually matching it. And it really wasn't that – it wasn't like last week against Syracuse where Clemson just lacked energy. I didn't think that was the case. It was execution, you know, and it was just making the right play. It was some bad luck. It was Travis Etienne putting the ball on the carpet for the third consecutive game. And this time it really hurt as it was scooped up and ran back for a 97-yard touchdown. So it was all those little things, the penalties, the inability just to sort of get out of their own way, and some early defensive struggles that amounted to an 18-point deficit. And the fact that Clemson didn't quit. I mean, look, there are a lot of Power 5 teams 
They would have been in that position, and I think they would have simply rolled over. You know, they'd have said, okay, 18 down. I don't care if we're at home. I don't, I don't care if this game's on the moon. We're done. You know, the season's over. Hang your head. There's a lot of young players on this team. But Clemson showed some moxie here. I'll give them some credit. There's some definite negatives to take away from this game. But I think you have to look at the biggest positive overall. When Clemson was tested, when its character was tested, its culture, I thought the Tigers rose up. They did what they what good teams do. They did what great teams do. They didn't let it bother them. They came back from it. Now, they won the game because they have the best players on the football field. But they got back in the game because they didn't quit. And I, I think that's really the key to Clemson's rally here and the biggest takeaway from this game. Dabo Swinney was extremely proud of his players. He said he'll never forget this game. And it's pretty obvious why. Number two, let's get into some of the negatives here in this game because Clemson certainly did not play its best football. And the fact of the matter is, that's two weeks in a row where the Tigers were heavily favored. They were a 46-point favorite against Syracuse. Then they were a 30-point favorite against Boston College. And they barely win this game over the Eagles. And I think they're right for the ripping. And I think you're going to have analysts out there destroying this team and saying, you know, it, you know, some people are going to really take into account that Trevor Lawrence wasn't there and some others aren't, you know, and they're going to sort of set the whole narrative. Well, you know, gosh, Clemson's really not that good. Even if Trevor Lawrence comes back and he's healthy and he's fine, like, is this really the best team in college football? You know, well, you got to remember, too, they had five other starters out of this game. You know, three of, four of them were on defense. And so this was a team that was short on players, Short on a lot of its leaders. I mean, I think that's the other thing. They had guys who play huge, important roles. They may not be All-Americans or studs or, you know, guaranteed first-round draft picks, but Clemson was out some very, very key players in linebacker James Skowski, defensive tackle Tyler Davis, Frank Ladson, the outside receiver, was one of my players to watch Friday. He wasn't there. There was a lot missing, and I, I wonder how much analysts and, and pundits and everybody else who wants to talk college football really takes that into account. But I get it. If, if you want to say this isn't the best team in football, if you want to say that Alabama looks better or through two games, Ohio State looks better, like it's hard for me to, to really argue against you. I, I think full body of work, Clemson's still the number one team in college football. But if you want to ding them, if you want to take them down a notch because of what's happened the last two games, I get it. I, I, I think it's somewhat reasonable. But make sure you take into account everything. Final lesson learned. Cornell Powell. Boy, what a game the fifth-year senior had for the Clemson Tigers. One of those that's been years in the making. This is a young man who has lived in the shadows of great Clemson receivers. He's a four-star prospect coming out of North Carolina who just has not been able to really get a foothold in this receiving room. And he's battled all kinds of things. He got in the doghouse a few years ago. He's been a guy that just has not been super reliable. He hasn't practiced the way he needed to. That's coming from Dabo Sweeney, not from me. I'm not at practice. But that's what they've said about Cornell Power over the years. But there was not another player on this offense who was talked about more going back to February of this year when spring practice started through fall camp back in August that was kind of the unprovoked player. Like People didn't ask about him necessarily by name, but he would always get brought up by the coaching staff. And they always kept talking about how good Cornell Powell looks and what he's doing in the passing game and how he's helping Trevor Lawrence. And finally, you're seeing it. And it's kind of the culmination of a long and rocky path to get to this point. But Cornell Powell had the best game of his career 
on Saturday, and it was when Clemson needed somebody like that to step up in the worst way. 11 catches on 10 targets. This is a guy who has not had more than five receptions in a game in his career, and that was years ago that he did that. So this was a really big, huge moment for Cornell Powell's career arc to get to this point. He looks so reliable in this game. When he hasn't been reliable in past years, he was consistent in this game. He ran clean routes. His hands were good. He used his body well. There was absolutely nothing to knock about Cornell Powell's game. He had 12 targets. He had 11 catches, 105 yards in this ballgame. So congratulations to him. He certainly earned uh, the right to be uh, counted on and talked about. And the lesson here is that, that Cornell Powell can do it. And I would expect that to continue. His role has been on an upward trajectory in this offense for the last couple of weeks, going back to the Georgia Tech game. I expect that to continue. Cornell Powell, ready to show some consistency in this passing game. Speaking of consistency, have you checked out the new and improved Built Bar? It's more delicious, sir, with six amazing new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, the lemon almond cheesecake, the apple almond crisp. They've also got the 12 original flavors like the peanut butter, the banana bread, the mint brownie, the salted caramel, the double chocolate, Every bar wrapped in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And what's great about the Built Bar is for the health-conscious guy. You can maintain, lose weight, and indulge in that delicious treat. It's low-calorie. It's low-sugar. It's got that high-protein that you're looking for, high in fiber. It is great for you keto dieters out there. Just like the peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. You've got to go right now to BuiltBar.com. Put in promo code Locked On at the end of your order. You're going to get 20% off. That's 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Locked On in the promo code BuiltBar.com. Now it's time to dive deep into the numbers as it's inside the box score of Clemson's 34-28 victory over Boston College on Saturday. And I tell you, this is the, the most mind-boggling thing. When I went back and looked at the box score right as the game was ending, I couldn't get over this. What if I told you that Boston College finished the game with just 275 yards of total offense? Didn't it seem like they had that on like three drives in the first half? Yeah, it's crazy. 275 total yards. Syracuse actually had 50-plus more yards than BC did. And they lost 47-21. to 21. Boston College, here's here's the biggest number that stood out to me. 66 total yards in the second half. That's it. 66. Clemson put the clamps down on this offense. Phil Dracovic looked like he was just going to dominate the Tigers all day. They come out. They're driving the ball down the field. He's throwing the ball to Flowers. They're picking up first downs, moving the chains, getting into the red zone, scoring touchdowns. Like it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it was it was one of those like, wait a minute, is this really happening? Nobody, I mean, nobody moves the ball on Brent Venables like this. At least not very often. At least not in recent years. But that's what happened in this game in the first half. Twenty eight points. Now seven of those came from the scoop and score on the ETN fumble. But still, you're talking about three touchdowns by Boston College against Brent Venables. Like something doesn't add up there. Something doesn't make sense. Give Jeff Halfley a ton of credit. He had his team prepared. They were ready. 
you could tell they watched film on Syracuse last week and said, wait a minute, if Syracuse can go in there and play Clemson tough for a little while, why can't we? Now, they didn't score in the second half. That's that's the big caveat here. As good as Phil Dracovic looked, as good as this offense was rolling early, Brent Venables and the Tigers, they made adjustments at halftime. They shut everything down. They gave up 19, 19 second-half rushing yards. BC finished with 67 on the ground, just 208 through the air. I mean, I feel like Phil Dracovic is still throwing the ball down the field. But this is why I like to go back and really analyze the box score after what my eyes saw and see what matched up and what didn't. And certainly, it does not feel like Boston College finished with simply just 275 yards. Some other key numbers in this game and why Clemson was able to come away with a 34-28 victory. Travis Etienne does it all. At all three levels, he rushed for 84 yards on 24 carries, including becoming the all-time leading rusher in ACC history right before the end of the third quarter. Etienne passed Ted Brown of North Carolina State, who set the record back in 1978. And now Travis Etienne, no one has more rushing yards than Clemson's running back in ACC history. But it was the passing game where he really, really left his mark with 140 receiving yards on seven catches. He had nine targets in the game. 42 was his long in this one. He scored a a touchdown through the air, also scored one on the ground. And the one on the ground is what led Clemson to the uh, come-from-behind victories. That was the final go-ahead score. In fact, that was the first time Clemson led all day in this ballgame. But Travis Etienne then tried to go do it in special teams, and he had a 40-yard kick return to start the third quarter, and that really got Clemson going. That was when Uyangole led the team down the field, ran in the 30-yard touchdown, and that's when it felt like the momentum had shifted and that Clemson was going to come back and win this ballgame. So that's a grand total of 264 all-purpose yards for Travis Etienne. 264. Boston College had 275 yards. So he almost outgained an entire football team, an opponent, by himself. Another key stat in this ballgame, boy, penalties were a huge story in this one. Clemson, nine penalties for 82 yards. They had some really dumb ones in this one. Now, one of those on Justin Maskell, the late hit, roughing the passer, that was a little... I'll just say ticky-tack, not one that you see called all that often. The second one, though, was on Xavier Thomas, who another big storyline here, ejected from the game for targeting as he launched himself into the air, launched forward with his head, hit Phil Dracovic in the head, and that was it for Xavier Thomas. He was done for the day, and now he'll miss the first half of the huge Notre Dame game on Saturday. But both of those penalties took away interceptions that Clemson would have forced had it not been for the flags. Now, this was all negated because Boston College had 11 penalties and 92 yards going the other way. So that balanced things out for Clemson and certainly allowed them to not be hurt by all those penalties. But Clemson's got to clean those things up. You cannot do that going into Notre Dame game on the road like that. How about Boston College going 3-for-3 in the red zone? I can't remember the last time I've seen a number like that against the Tigers. Uh, and Brent Venables. Clemson going 3-4 of four in the red zone. Time of possession. Clemson just barely ahead of BC. So this really felt like sort of a back-and-forth game. If you didn't watch it, 
and you just saw the the final score and you looked at some of the stats, the, the peripheral stuff, you would think that's what this was. It was just sort of a back and forth, little ping pong action. You wouldn't know that Clemson trailed by 18 points and had to rally in the second half the way that they did. The Tigers were in the backfield a lot in this game. Eight tackles for a loss and four sacks. They got after Dracovic in that offensive line, especially later on in this game. Clemson was 7 of 16 on third downs. They continue to put up some solid numbers in that category. And that's especially important when you consider that DJ Uyangale was the quarterback and not Trevor Lawrence. It also helped the Tigers roll the dice three times on fourth down and came up successful three times on fourth down. But there sure was a lot of weird in this game, including a two-point conversion debacle, as Coach Sweeney said, as Clemson ran out on the field late, as they were celebrating too much after a touchdown. They wanted to go for two. They told them to go for two. The players lost their minds and forgot about it. And then Dabo has to call a timeout, and then they go get set up, and it's just they get a false start, and now they're pushed back, and then now they send BT Potter out there to kick the extra point, and he misses it. Boy, it was just it was an absolute mess. And that's going to wrap up inside the box score. That's going to wrap up Locked On Clemson podcast for today. Coming up tomorrow's episode is going to be big. Going to take a look at Heisman Trophy odds and where Trevor Lawrence stands, and then going to get into the Tuesday Tiger of the Week. I'm going to go and tell you who it is right now. DJ Uyangole. Absolutely, you got to be able to say that name now. And gonna, I'm going to give you a look into what he did in this game and talk about the maturation process and just how good this guy really is and how good he's going to be. Thank you so much for being a part of the Locked On Clemson podcast. Again, let your friends, your family know. Hit the download button, the subscribe button, and follow me on Twitter at Brad Sinkum. That's S-E-N-K-I-W. And check out Locked On college football podcast with Candace Cooper as well. Have a great day. Take care. Talk to you tomorrow, Tiger Nation.